Hey, it's Bless Cameron. How'd you like that song that I was just playing? That was a clip from my new song called No One Knows. And you can hear the full thing on blushcameron.bandcamp.com. And it will also be on streaming services at the end of the month. How's everybody feeling? Good? I'm feeling good. I've just been here at home waiting for my Trump bucks. Just been at home waiting for my Trump bucks to hit. 1200 bucks. That'll be cool. Been playing games, watching movies, watching YouTube. The usual stuff that I'd be doing even if it wasn't um, a pandemic happening. Didn't been doing some virtual hangs with my friends, watching movies over the internet. Speaking of virtual hangs, today's guest is a good friend of mine. And we had a virtual hang recently and got to talk about a lot of stuff. Alex Stoitziadis from Dogleg. Alex plays guitar and sings in Dogleg. And Dogleg is awesome and Alex is awesome. I'm sure you already know that if you're listening to this. um, At least you should be uh, aware. And you will be aware after this. (laughs) Uh, I've seen Dog like a ton of times. Played a ton of shows with them. I was always impressed watching Dog Leg. Not just their stage presence, which is unmatched, but the way they write their songs was always really mature, I thought. Even years ago, like, uh, I don't know, 2016, 2017. And their new album is awesome too. It's called Melee. Got best new music on Pitchfork. It's pretty sick. Proud of them. So I hope you'll enjoy the episode. We talk about a lot of stuff. The whole history really. Oh, there's a part in the episode where after Alex finishes talking about the hoops they had to jump through to get the album finished with a release date. I follow up by talking about how albums are just for labels to make money without doing a great job of explaining why I said that. Um, and it wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to minimize Alex's accomplishment. My point was the fact that Doglick did go through so much trouble to make their album as well as having to cater to their label at the same time. Also, also the label could feel confident that they'll make money. The fact that they went through all that and still came out with an album that's not only really good, but one that the band themselves are happy with. Um, the fact that they went through all that is a triumph, and that's super not easy to do. I'm proud of them for it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to clarify in case I sounded insensitive uh, at that part. Um, maybe no one will notice, but I noticed. Anyways, 
hit me up if you have any feedback or anything at Blush Cameron on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Blush Cameron, no space. Although I don't use Facebook as much. Instagram and Twitter is the place to be for me. I'm also on Patreon, patreon.com slash Blush Cameron. This is another episode where the guest has better audio than me. I've tried getting my setup to work with this mic, but I'm having problems getting Discord to cooperate. It doesn't seem to want to work with my interface, so for now i got to keep using the mic that's built into my computer for the interviews. If you'd like to help me get some new gear for this thing, please hit me up at patreon.com slash blushcameron. I know with the pandemic happening, everyone's tight on money. But if you have, if you do have disposable income and are feeling charitable, I'd really appreciate it. I post solo apps on there, solo episodes, B sides, demos, etc. Also, I'd like to mention, or I should mention, that this episode was recorded much before the COVID nineteen pandemic was even consideration for anybody so this is much before we were quarantined and all that um just to give some context there and um all right i think that's enough of me talking here's the show uh did you grow up in michigan yeah, yeah, I was, uh, I'm from Rochester, which is like... Oh, right, I know that. Yeah, yeah, it's like 45, 50 minutes north of Detroit. It's like a really, like, bougie, like, white flight town, basically, you know? Yeah, So it's yeah. like, very, like, family-oriented, like, upper-middle class, just like, nothing really happens there except for, like, you go to school or you go to work and then you come back there, and... It, so so it's like very boring and safe which is cool i guess but like there wasn't like any music scene of any type you know yeah, there's like, there like nothing going on there i mean uh we played there that one time right we played at yeah uh, played yeah at, that at coffee. the coffee shop yeah and yeah, that was like the, insane the, yeah the reason that people packed out was because nothing ever happens there like yeah. that you know like that was the first time i think like ever in my entire life that I've that I've heard of like a show happening there like usually if you want a show or want to go see a show you go to like the Crowfoot or the Pike Room in Pontiac which is like like a 15 minute drive I guess from there but there's nothing in downtown Rochester except for like you know the local bar bands or whatever they're just doing covers or something like that it's not really like a music town or in any sense of the word, but that was that show was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that was, really, that ruled, dude. That honestly, yeah, I, I really mean, wish they they like kept it going. You know what I mean? Like like made it a more regular thing because people love that shit. Yeah, I mean that's really the move, dude. Is playing shows in places that don't get shows. Um, oh, for sure. Where did you play on this tour with Glass Beach? Where'd you go? Oh, uh, we went we went out. So we went out to California. And then we kind of went like up and down the coast. Like we started in Fullerton and then we did LA and then we went all the way up to like Seattle, Portland 
and then came back down to San Francisco and then went back over back towards home kind of. Mm-hmm. And that was fun as heck. That was super cool. I've never been to California and nobody else in the band's been to California except for like Chase has been there when he was nine or so. He was really young, so he doesn't really remember it. But yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It was wild. It was so cool. Like, like it's so sunny and nice there. (laughs) It's very like (sighs) big, you know, like like we were driving in to L.A., and it was just it was huge it was ginormous and it was just interesting to see like how big this city was and how like nice it was how nice it looked for the most part and we were like listening to like california bands that we knew of just like on the way there we were just like all right let's like let's like really get the cali experience and and like it was just interesting to see like how they sounded versus versus like what everything looked like you know what i mean right yeah this is like, um, this is like you come from, you come from michigan like it's like super cold and like the weather is just like super drastic all the time and so most of the bands kind of sound like have that element of being like dark and dreary sometimes you know and then it's like you go to cali and it's like not necessarily dark and dreary and it's more kind of like upbeat i guess right. i don't know yeah, I mean it's dark and dreary in a different way, right? I mean, right, exactly, LA, yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, was LA probably like your favorite spot to play on that tour? Oh yeah, or? yeah, that was awesome. It, uh, mainly because we had like a off day there too, so oh, we just kind of spent some time like just kind of bumming around the city and like checking it out and seeing what's up with it. Like we went on like the walk of fame or whatever and like saw the theaters and stuff saw spider-man i saw spider-man <laughs> I, went, I went and saw i went into the um sanrio store and Very got nice. a bunch of like got a bunch of sick merch so that's super fun <laughs> hell yeah sanrio merch yeah hell yeah i got a i got a um a gretzko shirt which is super sick oh yeah and it's it's now one of my favorite possessions and i think i might have to buy another one because it's 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 just nice. It fits really well. And then Chase got one too, which is cool. Were they expensive shirts? No, they were fifty percent off actually when we went in oh, there. Hell so yes, it was, dude. Like, it was only like twenty bucks, and I'm like, dude. oh, I have to, I have to get this. Shirt. Perfect timing. <laughs> it's so sick. Yeah. So we went there, and then we also went to um, a Donut Friend, which is that that donut place that's owned by Mark Trombino, who is like he's the drummer for Drive Like Jehu, and he oh, produced yeah. all those. Yeah, he produced all those like other albums and stuff. He wasn't there, but he's but the person that was working there said that he usually like comes by and like just hangs at the shop. And I was like, God, I wish I could like see him and like meet him. Mm-hmm. That would have been so sick. Yeah, I wonder. But, I wonder like how how it came about that he opened that place. I wonder. I think I think we asked the person and they were just like, yeah, he was just kind of like bored. <laughs> he just wanted wanted to make some donuts. Hmm. And I'm like, that's so sick. And I mean, I wonder if he like made music money somehow and like put that into yeah. it. Like where oh, did yeah. he get the startup for that? He probably. Yeah, that's probably it. Because like not only was he like playing in bands, but like he, he does all this production work. Right. right so like, yeah. of course, he's making he's making some good money, I guess. So he probably made enough to just like start something up but that was that place was so cool because i've heard about it before we went there and i was like 
I was like, oh, we got to check this out because I was looking at like the menu and all the donuts were like punk themed. Don't like they have the drive like jelly donut. They have the fudge gauzy donut. And I'm like, I need to I need to buy these. these yeah, donuts. save them and not, don't even eat them. Oh, my God. It was so sick. Like we were just like we were all in there just gushing over like the the different donut name puns. It was so sick. Okay, well, that that brings me to a question that I have for you, which is okay. uh, growing up in Rochester, how did you get into all those bands like Drive Like Jehu and whatnot? Um, well, I was like, I guess I, I guess I can like start at the beginning. I used to play a lot of rock bands with my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I like started getting into like music in general. Because like before it would just be like, like I had an iPod shuffle with like like Aerosmith and just some random ass songs on it. Like I, I was just like, okay, like I'm not super into music, but like I like how this sounds. This is cool. And then I had a friend who lived like literally at the end of the street and I would always go over to his house and I would always play rock band with him. And his dad was a drummer. And so he would always like say, you can use our studio and just play on the drums and and you could play guitar and do whatever you want just it's open for you and so at first we were just playing rock band a bunch and all those songs from rock band were fucking great like reptilia like the strokes obviously oh yeah it was just like that change like listening to that changed my life i was like oh my god like this is my first favorite song i guess and then being able to play it like on a video game like fake drums that was super fun and that was just like oh all right well like i'm i'm feeling the connection i guess and then from there we would transfer over to like the real drums and like get in the studio and just start like messing around and just doing whatever and that was super cool and then i would usually like my music taste would come from like video games kind of like that where it's like I would look up the rock band's like soundtrack and just be like, okay, like I like this artist. So what related artists are there too? So like from the strokes, I would be like, okay, Interpol, like, yeah, yeah, yeahs and like, stuff like that. And I would just go on, like I would go on Google and I would be like, okay, what bands sound like the strokes, you know, yeah, because totally. I liked how they sounded and I would just go from there. And then I would do that for like other video games too, like burnout, the burnout games. Dude, I, hell yeah. And, I fucking Burnout Three. I was gonna say to Burnout Three, dude. Burnout Three. The, yeah. sound, the soundtrack to Burnout Three changed my life because, like, all of those songs are just like they're they're so right up my alley that I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> like, like every single song, I'm just like, this is so sick. So I would I would do the same thing for that. I would just go up online and I would be like, okay, give me the soundtrack to Burnout Three give me what these bands are and then I'm going to go and like kind of scour the internet for like what bands are related to them or sound like them or what genre like is this exactly right yeah and then try and find more from there wikipedia and genres yeah exactly yeah exactly so so that's kind of how like from from there it would be like like MCR they had I'm not okay on burnout 3 soundtrack so I was like I was super into that song and then from there, I'd be like, okay, emo, like it's, it's basically the genre that's, that's in this soundtrack. So I'm going to just try and find more emo songs, I guess. Were and you on Lapstep M much? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. I, I used to use it all the time. And, um, for that, like, I would go on like the artists slash FM, like related artists. Yeah. And that was usually like the best resource for finding like new shit because it would be like, it, it was just extensive. It was the most extensive thing that I could find on the internet for like, Oh, if you like this artist, go and listen to this one. So I would do that for like MCR and like other pop punk bands at the time. <laughs> like I would just, li- I was listening to a lot of pop punk, like, like old fallout boy, old yellow card, a little bit of all time low, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what year would you say this is that you're discovering? This all this is stuff? like, this was like, like before middle school. Like this okay. was like, like, um, like elementary school ish probably. And then in middle school, um, my friend that I was connecting with all this music over, he moved away. So then I was like, Oh God, like I need to use the internet even more to find out like more different bands. And so, uh, I would kind of dive into it a little bit harder. And then I found, um, I think the first, like, I guess post hardcore band that I found was bear vs shark from Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, and I found it just like, cause I was looking on YouTube and I saw the album art and it looked really cool. Cause it was like this, like abstract, like weird painting. And I was like, this is, this is interesting. And then I clicked it and I was like, Oh my God, like this sounds great. And then after that was like a cap and jazz, like recommendate was recommended cap and jazz was recommended. And I clicked on it and it was like little league or something. And I was just listening to that. I was like, well, this is sick too. And then basically just YouTube recommendations just kind of showed me the way for all that stuff. And then from there came like drive like Jehu and like Fugazi and like all those bands. And then I really got like deep into those bands because I was like, holy shit, like this is even more up my alley than, <laughs> than the other yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, when yeah. did dog like started for you in high school? Was that your first band? My first band was actually um, called Sleeping Pilots. It was a, uh, it was that was like freshman sophomore year of high school that started. It was a two piece. I was on the drums. It was with me and my friend Ryan, and it was it was kind of like a uh, garage rock ish band. You know what I mean? Like it was basically like we were trying to make like White Stripes, Black Keys type songs i guess Uh but i was like i was in the mindset of being like making it like a punk band and he was in the mindset of making it like a kind of like bluesy band Mm -hmm. so it didn't really gel too much because like like we would keep having like different um opinions on like what we wanted to do like I would keep telling him like, Hey, you should turn your guitar up a little bit louder. And he'd be like, no, it's too loud. (laughs) And then I'd be like playing the drums very, very hard because like, that's just how I play. And it would just like, I would just get frustrated because I'm like, I can't hear you. Like the song's supposed to be a little bit like more powerful. And it's just like it. I, I love him. He's a great friend of mine, obviously, but like the situation was just kind of frustrating me a lot. And so after that dissolved, basically, um, I think in uh, like senior year of high school, that kind of faded out. 
that time from um, when high school ended and then when um, college started, that in-between time was when I was just like, okay, I'm going to make my own band and it's just going to be me and I'm going to do all the instruments and I'm going to make it sound exactly the way I want it to. Yeah, and yeah. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna just like really put some time and effort into it, and I'm just gonna, gonna kind of go off of just my head and not really think too hard about like what I'm doing, but just try and like put it on paper and just make it happen. And then that's how Dogleg happened. Basically, it was just yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I didn't know. I yeah. like didn't really realize that it was all you in the beginning until I was looking at the credits. Like I went through and yeah. re-listened to the, you know, everything that I could listen to from you. And, right, uh, right. Uh, also, I mean, what you're saying about your first band being like more rocky than you wanted yeah. it to be is kind of interesting because I did notice, you know, re-listening to through, re-listening to, uh, to all your music is like, uh, you know, it started out being more obviously like strokes inspired i guess yeah oh yeah and for like sure. you know these days it's way more aggressive and like oh for sure leaning into the like you know hardcore yeah, yeah. And, you know. oh yeah for sure like like when i was starting like most of the musical influences that i was trying to harness were like you know the strokes and stuff like that where it was just like very like chord progression based rather than riff based and uh-huh. i feel like as time progressed with us like it's been shifting more towards like riffs oh that's interesting stuff like that. but like yeah early on it was just kind of like well i like the way that this music sounds to me i'm gonna try and make something that kind of sounds like that or, or sounds like a combination of everything that i like and then those songs just kind of happened and it's like like some of the songs, some of the songs I'm like not proud of. Like like the first song on the on the first EP, the the one minute long song. I'm just like, I'm just like this. I listen back to it now, and I'm like, this just kind of sounds like a World Is ripoff a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, and and you know what? That's fine because it it wasn't really made with any expectations, and it wasn't really made for anybody but like myself essentially. So like. I'm fine with people listening to it and if they like it that's great but like <laughs> yeah I just yeah. think it's funny that it's like I think it's I think it's hilarious just how how much traction it's getting for how old those songs are and where those songs came from Yeah I mean and for like, real I mean the fact that you yeah. guys only have those you know two EPs out and have yeah, got to yeah. where you are is like insane um, Yeah exactly but and I, sorry go ahead and I think like also just the progression of like how we play those songs has gotten so different now where it's like, totally. we have like a completely different way of playing them live compared to how they're, how they were recorded. And mm-hmm. I love the way that they are now. And I, and I always think about like, Oh, well do I want to like go back and re-record it or will that make everybody kind of angry because like it's already been this way for like three or four <laughs> years or so. And changing it would would changing it be blasphemous? I don't know. <laughs> Do you get like, tired of playing those songs? Oh no, not at all. I love them. I love that. I love playing them because of how they kind of grow with each time that we play it. Like, I like to say that I never really play the same way twice. You uh, know, because like I'm always trying to find like a different way to like 
add something to the song. Like I'll sing a part differently or I'll like play a different riff or something or I'll go and like jump off the stage or whatever, you know, <laughs> just like try and like add something to it. And I think that the versatility and doing that makes it way, way more fun than just playing it the exact same way every single time. And I feel like this band is the way that this band operates is allows it to kind of do that because if it was like more of like a structured like okay we have to play it this exact way and that's how the band was then i wouldn't be able to like change anything about anything like if it was like a steely dan type band where it's like okay every note has to be perfect then it's like okay i probably would get bored yeah yeah. but since it's like a punk band i can just kind of okay maybe i can make this part a feedback like solo instead of an actual solo or maybe i could just like scream into the mic instead of just sing it you know it's just like there's a bit more options for what you can do and i think that's super fun yeah totally i mean i can i've seen you know how the songs have changed live and it's a very cool um we've talked about metal fred a few times on this podcast Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. you were you like a officially like a brother there or what was your relation to metal yeah So when I went in freshman year to Michigan um, and the dogleg EP was like out, like it was online, basically. um, uh, Zach Gelfand found it (laughs) and he messaged me on Facebook. He was like, hey, you seem pretty cool. Why don't you come hang out with uh, this friend group that that I have? And I'm like, so sick. He literally discovered dogleg. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. So, I go and um, I hang out with them for a little bit, and then I realize, like, oh shit, like this is like a, this is like a. I didn't think it was a frat, but I was like, this is like a community, I guess, and I didn't understand that it was a community until after hanging out with them for like, a, like four or five times or whatever, and then they were like, oh hey. Uh, you have to do this thing now. There's a dinner and there's like a there's like a ritual or whatever. And I'm like, uh, oh shit! Like, there's things things are happening. Oh shit! Okay. Wow. So you just kind of fell into it. Yeah, yeah. But it was fun. It was it was cool. Like I didn't really have any friends, and I was like, oh, this is a way to make friends, I guess. Like like all these people seem musically inclined, and so that's cool. Yeah. For for people listening that don't know, Metal Frat is a kind of frat in ann arbor michigan associated with with the university of michigan it's a real frat but the way it operates is that it's like the anti-frat i guess and most of the people that are initiated in that are brothers there are very into like music and the diy scene and the the house itself used to be like a venue since 2000 i think and it's had like so many artists come through and play there yeah and bands you know starting out there whether it's dog leg or brave bird or pity sex or yeah yeah and i used to i used to be super into brave bird also like 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 i found out about them in that in between time when i was making dog leg (laughs) and i was like oh my god they they're from michigan oh my god like that's so cool and and so i was like kind of gushing over that and then 
found out that they were part of metal frat and i was like oh my god like that's so cool <laughs> yeah then, i mean that's such like a cool thing to have and i feel like yeah you know, we're pretty lucky to have you know oh have for it. sure yeah yeah and i think it's cool to have that connection and and it's interesting to see like how when i started school and i was just kind of a nobody and i was looking up to all these artists and i was like oh my god like like look at chris lou like he's so fucking cool and i wish i could be like him and now it's like i'm here now and i'm like oh my god like that's my friend now like yeah, that's yeah. that's that's my that's my peer instead yep. of just being like my i guess idol in a way like not not that i necessarily idolized him but i like looked up to them as like someone who's musical someone who who makes cool art that i want to appreciate yeah, and it was cool. I mean, Metal Frat was never particularly, like, gatekeepy, you know? I mean, it was definitely, yeah. as a new person coming in, it's, like, really intimidating. And there are oh, older sure. people there that are, like, so much cooler than you. And, you know, right, it's really right, easy to yeah. project in that, such, you know, in that scenario, but... Oh, um, yeah. Like, I was like I was terrified of all the older people because I was like, these people are just, like, so cool. Like, I do not <laughs> know if I can keep up with that, like... I need to like burn all my like Michigan like merch or anything. I need to wear just all black and like nothing else and I need to be as cool as them kind of thing. And and then as I grew up, it's like, you know what? Like being cool doesn't really, you don't have to do anything specific. You just kind of just got to be yourself, you know? Yeah. And and it it, was a cool thing to learn. (laughs) Yeah. And you like, you know, I've, I've experienced like being around younger kids that, I can tell, like, they felt how I felt, and, you know. Right, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, cool to be able to, you know, be like, you know, it's you know, it's all good. I'm not really any cooler than you are, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, everybody, like, the reality of, of being in that place is that everybody's kind of a dork. Everybody's yeah, kind true. of, like, absolutely. a bit of a loser, but also they have, like, their own special talent, you know, and, they're all, and everybody's cool in being like weird and being different you know and i think that's super sick and it's it's great to be able to like kind of connect over that stuff and being able to be like well i'm super into like this type of music okay well i'm super into making this type of art and you can just kind of connect over that yeah even just you know like media like yeah yeah i've met friends you know at the fret there used i don't know did you you remember the main machine when it was working down in the basement? No, actually. It for a wait, while. Wait, it, oh, oh, was that 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 um like the the arcade machine? Was that a main machine? There's an arcade cabinet down there now that doesn't work, but there was another one in addition to that, I believe. Oh shit! That was like a working okay. main machine, and so no at, way. at parties, yeah, at parties we'd all be playing like Street Fighter or whatever on the main <sighs> cabinet, and. Uh, <laughs> that's so hype yeah yeah i've met friends just being like oh you play street fighter like you know who do you main you know whatever that's that's super hype yeah like like we would always have like weird youtube videos up on the big like tv screen in the main room and that was how that was how i would connect with some people is that like i would throw up a video and then somebody would be like oh my god you know this video and then we would just like kind of bond over that or somebody else would do that and then i'd be like oh my god you know this video yeah. and then we were just kind of like like uh me and 
uh, Maya would kind of bond over like YouTube poops all the time because I was super into them when I was in like middle school. And I was like, YouTube this stand. This shit is hilarious, even though it was like really dumb and stupid humor in middle school. But like, I used to love that shit. It was basically like proto memes, which is, I think is cool. Yep. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you tour like between the first Dogleg EP and uh, Remember Alderaan? Um, not really. Like we played just, sh- we played shows like locally. When did you meet Chase? Uh, we I met Chase and Parker in um high school for uh we went to this like music school together or not like music school but it was like a it was like an after school like music program thing it's called uh, School of Rock okay and basically yeah, yeah. yeah basically like they put you into like groups based on like what kind of music you like so we were both in like the um Red Hot Chili Peppers and Weezer group. <laughs> And so it was like we were just all learning these Weezer songs and these Red Hot Chili Pepper songs together, and we just kind of all bonded like that. That place was so nice, and it was so easy to make friends because everybody there was so freaking nice, and I loved it. Wow! And I have so many friends from there that are off doing like cool musical things now, and it's super cool. But, um. I met Chase there because um, I was talking with people there about, like, my favorite bands. And I was like, oh, I really like uh, Fugazi. I don't think anybody knows who Fugazi is, being, like, that kid. Because yeah. like, I'm like, I don't know what people like. And then one of, my fr- one of my friends that was there was like, oh, you should talk to Chase. Chase loves Fugazi and Minor Threat. And I was like, okay. And so I, I go up to him, and I, I don't. I don't think he's taller than me, but it felt like in that moment uh, when I first met him, he was like two times as tall as me. And I was just looking up to him and I was just like, so I heard like you like Fugazi. That's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, man, it's pretty cool. And that was our first conversation ever. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I did it. I talked to him. He's so cool. So and then he uh, put you in a trash can. I heard. Yeah, yeah. And then he, then he stuffed me in a locker. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, you guys started playing together pretty shortly after that, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. We we um, so we we didn't talk for like a little while until I needed somebody for dogleg. I need or I needed more people for dogleg because. Um, like we went to different colleges and everything. So we, our lives were in different directions at the time. But um, when I was in school, I tried to do dog leg originally just by myself. Like I did a couple solo shows. Um, I did a couple shows with just Parker on the drums and just me. So like as a two piece um, and I did that. I, I tore out my guitar and put in like, half a bass pickup that would only touch like the bottom two strings and then put that as a separate output into a uh, octave down. So I had like a fake bass while I was playing. Like I was just basically doing everything I could just to be able to try and play these songs because I was like, ah, you know, I want to play. I want to get out and play shows, but I didn't really have a proper band. So then, um, 
the th- I guess the third iteration of Dogleg was uh, me and then Rory, Rory Nolan, and then Zach, Zach Elfan. We we were the first ever like full band Dogleg, I guess. And Rory was on drums, Zach was on bass, and we were just kind of playing around. Didn't really take it super seriously. We were just trying to like they were just trying to help me like get the songs out there and like yeah, help yeah. play them and stuff. So it was nice. And we played, some, we played a couple shows. And then after that, it was, um, the summer between like freshman and sophomore year. And I was like, okay, I need like a proper band if I want to do this. So I called up chase and then I called up Parker and I was like, here are the songs I have. Do you guys want to be in a band? And, they both responded like, Oh my God, like, yeah, this is really cool. (laughs) And they were the best musicians I knew at the time. So we, we got together and when we got together that summer, it just immediately clicked. Like we were just writing songs like really, really quickly. Uh So we just wrote basically like all of remember Alderaan. And then we also wrote a song that's going to be on the new album, but we were going to put it on remember Alderaan, but we saved it for the new album because we were like this is too good to put on this is that a song you play yeah yeah man that's got to be tough it yeah it was like we're, we've been playing that song for like three freaking years now Dang, but I, although i mean to be but, fair i've started kind of like getting into that mode too where it's like uh, i don't know yeah. if this this might work better on the next one but you know it's hard I right mean, I, yeah. I definitely didn't have that discipline when i was you know younger trying to do music yeah it, it was just like like on top of it like sounding really really good and being like oh like this is like this is we could save this for something else it just felt like it wasn't like completely done in that way you know what i mean right, where yeah, it was yeah. like where it was like it was like if we put this out now it won't be as good as if we just sit on it for a little bit and make it even better was our idea so right we kind of we kind of sat on it and like worked out like the kinks from it and we really like finalized it and now it's on the album and it's like really really good and i'm very very proud of it so yeah i mean i don't really yeah i don't really mind taking that long to that we took that long to really finish it but i just want people to hear it now because it's just been so freaking long right um when you like we're starting did you like have any like thought process when you were deciding to compile your songs together because like when i was Mm. um doing my first music projects it was like record a Mm -hmm. song and put it online and like Mm -hmm, i like kind of was rejecting the like album game you know right yeah what was your thoughts like did you just want to do um, because your favorite bands were doing it or like what? Uh, I mean, with the first with the first EP, I was just kind of like, let's see how many songs I can write in this time. Like originally it was just going to be four songs and then I wrote two more and I was like, OK, I'll just put those on, too. And I originally had them on as, quote unquote, bonus tracks or whatever. And then I was like, you know what? No, like that's just the album. Like, that's just what it is. It's just it's just how it's going to be. And again, there was not really like an expectation of like what 
was going to happen or what I wanted to do other than I just wanted to write something because I was feeling something Uh and I just wanted to kind of get it out there. And I didn't really have like a, oh, well, this is going to be six songs and these songs are going to flow in this certain way and this is how it's going to be ordered, et cetera, et cetera. Like it was just like, no, like I have this idea for a song. I'm going to write it. Okay, I have another idea for a song. I'm going to write it. Like it just kind of. So it just all happened at once, basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's cool. Um, Yeah. So remember Alderaan, uh, Mm -hmm. December 2016 is when it was released. Uh, What was going on like in your life there is Table 3, right? Yeah, yeah. It was released. Yeah, it was released on New Year's of like like 2016 2017 new year's basically like january 1st or whatever um and we were just we had it done and we were trying to talk to any type of like indie startup label just to like help us out just because we were like okay like let's see if we can get some traction with this and nobody was biting except for table three who was good friends with Avery from retirement party mm-hmm. and Avery from retirement party used to go to school of rock with us actually, which is, which is how we're, yeah, that's how we're all good friends. So we, um, I hit her up and I was like, Hey, I heard that you're working with this label. Like, is there any chance that you could maybe like put in a good word for us and like, see if we could maybe work with them. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And she did put in the good word for us and it ended up working out. And they made us a run of tapes and a run of shirts. And it was good to like get our feet off the ground a little bit and like to get things started. But after that first like tape run and that first shirt run, the um, the label kind of dissolved because it was just one person. It was just it was just Tom Brown. So he was just like, I don't know if I could do this label anymore because like I have a life now, like I have things going on. And we were like, yeah, OK, we understand. So after after that kind of happened, we were just kind of on our own and we were like, OK, let's print our own shirts and let's do our own merch and everything. And just kind of shifted to just being completely DIY about it. Like just bought all these CDs and like cases and just yep. like hand wrote everything. You know I what remember. I mean? I, yeah. Uh, yep, yep. I yep. took, I took the, uh, I took the, uh, format for myself for yeah. a minute of doing yeah. the CDs with the little cardboard sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Those things Very are great. Economical, and it, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. And it was like just super cheap. You just buy it on Amazon and then you just, literally just write it out with a sharpie and then you're done and yeah, everybody had a dogleg cd yeah and that was nice because like i was worried that nobody listened to cds anymore because all the macbooks at the time were like getting rid of their cd player so i was like uh like i'll make these cds but i don't know if anybody's gonna take them but it seemed like a lot of people liked them so like they were all just taking them and it was all for free or donation based so we didn't really expect to get any money from it or anything. Yeah, yeah, so we were just like, yeah. we we're just like, we'd, we'd rather you have it than not, you know, what well, we don't need your money. We just need you to listen to it. <laughs> right. And so it seems like from 2017 till now, you've, you guys have been doing everything besides releasing music. 
Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so how, I mean, how did that feel like between then and now? Have you, has it, was it like frustrating? I mean, obviously the weight has been worth it, obviously. Yeah. But at the yeah. time, the, how were you feeling? The weight has been worth it, but, um, uh, I guess. Okay. So recording it was fun and like the writing this, the new, the new album, the new album. Yeah. Recording all the new songs and writing all the new songs was a ton of fun. It was great because we were just like, we were really getting in our zone of like hammering out good songs and like trying to make, make our songs as good as possible and like honing our, honing our craft a little bit. And then on top of that, when we were recording it ourselves, we were doing the same thing for recording. So we were like all looking up like, good recording techniques and like where should we put the drums like should we put it downstairs again or should we put in the garage like like how should we set up the guitars and we were just being really meticulous about it and it took a lot of time like it took an entire summer and i'm really happy that we did that because it, it without even mixing anything it sounded fantastic and we were like hell yeah okay like this is this is this is looking good. <laughs> so um, the frustrating part came when it was time to mix because we were just we just had like absolute terrible luck with how how long everything was taking. So we went uh, the, our first mixer. We went to um, this guy named Maurizio. He mixed for the first um, Crash of Rhinos album, uh, Distal. And that's one of our favorite albums of all time, production-wise and songwriting-wise. We just we just loved that album. But it came out in 2011. And right. by this time, it was like 2018. And we talked to Maurizio, and we were like, hey, we'd love for you to mix this album. We know, and he was still working like in a mixing studio. He, had his, he has his own mixing studio now, and he does more electronic-based music. And so... He was like, yeah, I, I haven't really worked on something like this in a really long time, and I'd love to. And we were like, okay, that sounds great. Let's do it. So we sent it his way and got it back, and it was just not at all what we were like picturing, mm-hmm. like not at all what, what, it, what we wanted it to be. And we were kind of like, oh, no, we're, we, we don't want to not work with this guy because – he's like our idol kind of, but there's so many changes that need to be made. And so we sent him back a list of just all the changes that we were thinking of. And he replied to us just saying like, you know what? Like, it seems like you guys have the vision that you want for this, but I don't know if I'm your guy. I'll I'll just, I'll have you just pay half for this just because I did some work on it, Mm. but you guys should really maybe go, with someone else or do it yourself because I think that that would do these songs justice. And I was like, and we were all like, okay, that probably makes sense. And so by that point we were out like a thousand dollars, which was like, which was like pretty much half of what we had in our band fund that we've been saving up for years. And we've just been like, we literally were saving up for this exact moment. So we had like, like $2,000 or so in the band fund, which is like next to nothing for recording. Right. Um, so we, 
we're kind of like, okay, there's a couple options. Like I can just mix the whole thing again. And then we could just put it out like that because I mixed all the other albums and stuff. Or we could just try and like find somebody else. And then we got, I got a message from uh, Tyler Floyd who mixed for like Sea Home and Parkway in Columbia and other bands from like Michigan, Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, give me those stems. Let me try, let me try my hand at a song. And we were like, okay. And so I sent him the stem, the stems for one of our songs and then he sends it back and it was, it was great. We were like, oh shit. Like this is, this is definitely closer to what we wanted because we sent him like the mixes that we got from the guy. And he was like, oh yeah, this doesn't really sound like you guys. This doesn't sound right. So he kind of had an idea of what we should have sounded like. So Mm -hmm. it was nice to have his hands on it and like get him to get him to throw us a mix. And so we were like, okay, why don't we just go with, why don't we just go with Tyler and, and just have him mix it. And his rate was half of what um, the other guy's rate was. So it was just a thousand dollars for him to do the whole thing. So it was perfect. So we were like, okay, we, we can, we can just give you that and then we'll just do that. And he was great to work with because he let me do a lot of mixing stuff too. Like I was adding a lot of like my own flair to it. And I was like telling him like, Oh, the drums just sound this way. And like, we really like spent a lot of time like making sure that every, the tone of every instrument was really good. And we were being super meticulous about it because we didn't, we didn't have a deadline. We we weren't really on a timeline. We were just kind of like, let's, take our time and really make it like as good as possible. Right. And then, yeah, so that was a good process, even though it took like quite a few months. Um, and then it was finished and we thought like, okay, the record's done, like it's done. So we can start shopping it around to labels and then they can, they can like just pick it up and they don't have to like remix it or anything. They could just be ready to put it out. And, so we started shopping around to a bunch of labels and we got a ton of no's. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody everybody was just turning us down, just being like, nope, sorry, nope, sorry. Um, so we didn't really know what to do. So we sent it to um, Jamie Coletta, who we knew was like a really good PR person and we knew she's heard of us before. And we sent it to her. And she was like, oh, my God, I love this record. This is great. Let me see what I can do. And we didn't know what that entailed at all. We were just like, okay, okay, cool. We're glad you like it. You know, like we didn't know she was going to like talk to anybody about it or anything. We just thought like she was just saying that she liked it and then was just going to like kind of chill because it wasn't as important because she had like other real bands to take care of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so. After that, we get an email back from her and she said, okay, so I I sent um, Fred from Triple Crown, I sent him your album and I sent him a video of you guys playing at uh, Bloodfest. And he said he wants to get on the phone with you next week. And we were like, what the fuck? Uh (laughs) We were were just like, oh my God, We we were very flabbergasted like it was just 
we didn't even we did not think it was in the cards at all. So when we heard that, we just didn't believe it. We were like, oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. And so he called us up on the phone, and then we were talking with him, and he was like, "So I really liked that video. That was really cool. Like, there's it seems to it seems to be a lot of people that really like you, and like like it seems like your fans are really like digging what you're doing." And I'm like. We're all like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> and, uh, he kept the conversations like casual for the first couple times. And then gradually he was more and more like, okay, like, I think this is going to be a thing. Like, I think this is going to be serious. Like, are you guys going to be willing to like tour a lot? Are you guys willing to put in the effort and whatever? And, uh, and we were like, Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. Like we'll do anything, blah, 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 you know? So then we, we signed the papers basically. And it was like all official. And then were they good first, papers. What? Were they good papers? <laughs> they, they were good papers. We, we had them looked over by, um, entertainment lawyer, uh, Henderson. He runs the alternative. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Super nice guy. And he looked it over for us and made sure it was it was all good to go. And they were good papers. It was it was really weird signing that paper and just being like, oh, my God, like this is a official like label contract. That's freaking wild to me. Yeah. (laughs) Did not think that this would ever happen. And so it was really cool. Um, And then after that first order of business was we needed to remix the album. Oh, really? <laughs> Did they tell you that they wanted to? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. so Fred was, so Fred was like, I like where the album's at. It sounds a little too DIY though, for what, for what you're about to get into. And we were like, Whoa. what does that mean? And we were like, <laughs> what does that mean? And he's, he was like, I, I want to, I want to get your, mixes and your stems on the hands of like a uh a bigger mixer so that like they can kind of polish it up a little bit more and have it in like a proper studio so that we can when it's put out like it'll sound a bit more quality you know what i mean and we were like okay cool sure so um we went with uh brett romney's is the guy that he suggested to us and he did uh the free throw records he did the oso oso record the new one and we were like okay hell yeah this is cool um so we worked with brett a lot a lot a lot a lot to try and make the sound like as close to those tyler mixes as possible but also with like a bit extra like polish and sheen and he kind of struck this nice middle balance of everything that we really liked where it's like super powerful, but also just very like kind of dark and earthy, I guess. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it it was, it was great. That took a long time too, just because we're very particular about like how we want things to sound. And so we were just kind of going over it for quite a few more months. And then it was finally over. We're finally (laughs) done with the record. And then, by the time it was done, it was close to the end of the year. 
So we were like, okay, we got to wait until next year God to put it out. And we're it, just dude. like, we're just like, Jesus Christ, the sun is going to explode before this record comes out. Like it's uh-huh. just not going to happen. It's just a, it's just a figment of our imagination. And that's, that's what we were telling like our fans too, because everybody was saying like, we know this record exists. We know this is like a thing that's supposed to be happening, but it's not here yet. Where is it? What's going on? Tapping we're, my foot. Just like, Where is it? Yeah. We're just, yeah. We're just like, we're sorry. Like we keep pushing this date back over and over and over again, but now it's finally coming out. It's coming out March, March 13th, Friday, the 13th Oh God! of March. And I couldn't be happier because God damn it. I want it out. I want people to hear it because it's just, it's, I'm so proud of it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm so proud of like and what we've done. There's really something to say. I mean, for like having the discipline to be patient is like yeah. really like satisfying as much as like, it's all bullshit and like, Right. The intention is to make money. Like you know, that's the reason that anybody has a, you know, I I always have felt like, um, you know, records started as a way for labels to make money. I don't know that an artist would naturally like write an album per se. Like, Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's also like you know, it's a challenge, and it's like a, it feels like a personal feat to you know, create a record in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's sick, and I'm definitely uh, excited for the whole thing to come out myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, like, you'll go back and you'll look at, like, how records used to happen where it's like, oh, like, everything used to be singles, you know what I mean? yeah. It's like, that was the important selling, like, physical item of music is like the singles the the seven inches and now it's like now it's records and well at some point they realize like they make you know they yeah have to spend less money to make more right um, right um, right um what's the word inventory right yeah exactly but honestly holding like the physical thing like in my hand like we have the test press now and like it's so cool. Yeah, it's totally. so freaking cool. And like hearing it on vinyl is actually like, it sounds fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of how it sounds. And it's just, it's just, it just makes me proud. Like the yeah. whole experience, this whole experience, like as long as it took and as, as many hoops that we had to jump through, it, it makes me proud and it makes me happy to see so many people connect with it because like, I did not think that in a million years like that would happen like at all because I I thought that like like in putting these uh, putting these songs out I was like worried that like oh like my the way I sing words is weird like people won't connect with that the words that I'm saying might yeah, be yeah, weird whatever. and I don't know if they'll connect with that like all all these like different like doubts and stuff but then then it came out like when Fox came out everybody was just like blowing up over it and it was just like that's so that's so cool i'm yeah. so glad yeah I'm, i mean you guys I'm, are really supportable and um you know the fake <laughs> well, the, the fact that chase and parker are as dedicated as you are to the project makes oh, yeah. it even more like worth you know being a fan of because you know if a whole group is focused and collaborative and all on yeah. the same page about making something good then they're going to make something good if they have this. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. And it, and I I love having them as bandmates and as friends. And who's the, just, sorry, who's the fourth guy? Jacob. I was just going to mention. Yeah. He he's our new drummer. Um Parker Parker originally played all the drums on everything and he played all the drums on the recording too, but um playing them live really takes something out of him because he's he's kind of a smaller guy like physically he's just like i don't know if i can like keep up with all these songs and the stamina and if we're gonna eventually have to play like longer sets for headlining stuff like i would drop dead and Mm -hmm. so he was like could i play guitar instead and we were like yeah absolutely but who's gonna drum like because his his drumming's phenomenal and we love him as a drummer. And so we were just kind of at a loss for a little bit. And this was while we were recording the album or, or finishing up recording. And we were like, okay, who, who are we going to talk to? So um, we look at a list of potential people and uh, Jacob who would play in a parkway in Columbia. He, he seemed like a very good drummer and so I was like, okay, let's ask him. Let's see, let's see what he's up to. And so I go over to his house for a jam session or whatever, for like a practice, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he would, he was like, yeah, a tryout. And I was like, here's the songs. Like, let me know what you think and if he can do it. And he's like, oh yeah, I can do it easy peasy. And then I go over and we play, and it was like perfect. It was great. Oh, he did a great job. Yeah, he did fantastic. And then we brought him in. And we all played together and it was just like, ooh, like it was good. Yeah. It was very good. And then now at this point, after playing with him for like a year or so, it's been phenomenal. Like this, this feels like the right connection between all of like the band members, you know, like Parker should be on guitar and Jacob should be the drummer because like Parker's guitar parts are fantastic like mm-hmm. he adds he adds like this whole new element to all the songs and it's really cool and he's a fantastic guitar player too like he's a he's a trained jazz guitarist so like oh. he knows all about like theory and chords and shit and like he knows exactly what to add to everything to make it sound great and he just looks good doing it too it's it's, it's perfect and it and having two guitars just sounds just huge it sounds way bigger and i love it i can't wait to see you guys with four members i don't know if i'm gonna be in town for the philly show in march oh shit yeah i'm excited for that show i i I know nothing about microwave actually that band i I really do not know them i haven't listened but i've heard good things yeah same here like like all my friends when we posted about that were saying like oh my god microwave and i'm like yeah who are who are these guys <laughs> uh-huh. but they seem really cool <clears throat> they seem like nice people and their music seems cool i listen to it and it's cool um i guess i'm just like a like i, I don't know i'm I'm bad at keeping up with new music i yeah, i love to look like i love to look like in the past for shit you know yeah just kinda... i feel the same way as like watching movies listening to music it's like if i'm listening to what everybody else is listening to what's the point like yeah, there's so much yeah. stuff out there that people don't listen to that should be getting listened to. I feel like I'm doing it, you know, my duty, right. you know, and my duty right. is to yeah. listen to these uh, obscure things that other people don't pay attention to. Right. Yeah. I, I think like also on top of that, um, if something has like 
proven to stand the test of time musically, I want to go and check it out. You know what I mean? Where it's like, if a, if a ton of people are saying like this record is fantastic and it's this old and it's still fantastic and we're talking about it now, then I'm like, well, I want to go see it. I want to go yeah. check it out. Yeah. Whereas like, whereas like with something new, it's like, I don't know if it's going to be that. I don't know if it's going to stand the test of time. Like I'll, I, I, I'll probably like it if I listen to it, but I'd rather go and look for like the things that have been proven to be good. Right. Have proven right. to be like classics, I guess. Yeah. And- I, I feel the same way. I mean, I, uh, um, I like, you know, I've gotten really into listening to like either like really commercially successful, like pop music mm-hmm. or just like, mm-hmm. you know, classic you know, great songwriters, you know, is like my, right. what I like to get into. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. What have you been listening to lately? Anything um, lately I've been getting you hyped? I've been, <laughs> I've been diving into a lot of screamo lately. <laughs> I'm just getting back into that. Like, uh, the band Dytro from, uh, yeah. from France. I fucking love them. And I've just been listening to a lot of them, listening to a lot of, uh, ceremony like old ceremony um little system of a down nice uh just like a bunch of different stuff and i guess i've also been listening to like our tour playlist like we have this just big huge tour playlist that is like hours and hours long because we're always just like well you know like we need something to listen to and we can just kind of put our favorite songs on here should make it public if it's not yeah, yeah, I think we might, honestly. It's Chase's playlist, so I'll probably have to ask him about that. But um that playlist has a bunch of great things. Like it's got like like the old post post hardcore like standards, like you know, your cap and jazz, your Fugazi, your what have you's, and then it's got a bunch of jazz, it's got a bunch of like old school hip hop and shit, and it's like it's it's really nice because there's just so much differences between like what you can get from it when you press when you press shuffle and it's nice for when you're driving because like i don't want to i don't want to always listen to the same thing over and over and over again i would like to listen to something different after a while so it's nice to have like an eclectic little mix of stuff and plus it's good to always take influences from that too you know like i i like jazz uh, chase really likes jazz and he'll show us like some cool jazz artists and I'm not like super well versed with jazz, but I love jazz, like the stuff that I've heard. So I'll always ask him for like recommendations and just be like, okay, like what's this all about? And I'll try and like glean some type of like inspiration from like, Oh, the drumming is really cool. Or this guitar part's really cool. And it's like, like it's not super obvious in our music obviously because it's like a completely different genre but like i like being able to take in the inspirations a little bit yeah i I always say that like songwriting really starts with listening to music you know yeah yeah absolutely um you've been playing any games lately um i've been playing a lot of tetris 99 nice and i've been getting really good at it (laughs) Um, do you play it on tour? Uh, I can't play it on tour cause there's no internet, but whenever uh, there's like wife, whenever there's wifi, I'll hook up and like just play that. And 
It's a great game. I fucking love Tetris, Tetris 99. 99. Is it just like regular Tetris or does it have like it, some weirdness going on? It's Tetris but Battle Royale. So you play against 99 other people. Whoa. It, and it's um when you like clear a line, you like send lines to other people and okay, they have to yeah. clear it and stuff. That's so it's epic. like you're t- you're like you're like uh targeting other people and t- attacking other people and stuff and it's it's so sick. It's like super intense and the games last like five minutes and then when you're done you just start a new one and it's just like extremely addicting. <laughs> Damn, that sounds awesome. It sounds like oh, yeah. uh like if you play uh puzzle fighter. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's very much like puzzle fighter. Yeah. Puzzle fighter versus ninety nine. Yeah, it's like puzzle fighter. It, it very much is. And I think that's sick. I, I wanna go back and play those puzzle fighter games because I I really like the Tetris game, so I'm like, oh do you, well. Do you have I'll a for that? Do you have a PlayStation Four? I do not. Uh, no. <laughs> do you, what do you have? Like Switch. What do you got? Uh, I got a Switch. I got a um, Xbox 360. I have a Dreamcast. I have uh, I have a Wii with a bunch of GameCube games and like all the NES, SNES, Genesis like ROMs on there. Um, I recently got a raspberry pi and i put like all these roms on there so it's like got a couple playstation games and stuff oh you could probably get puzzle fighter on on that yeah, i think i think we honestly might have that because like i got a rom like pack or whatever like the main pack or something and uh, i just put it all on there didn't even look at what was on there and it's probably it's probably there i think <laughs> yeah i really want to get uh there are three things i want i want to switch I want mm-hmm. an Xbox One, and mm. I want a 3DS. Ooh, I but get. To, oh, I have a. Th- the, sorry, the problem is that on each one of these consoles, there's only like one or two games I want to play, so it's like really hard oh, to yeah. justify the purchase. You should. What, what were you gonna say? You should get a 3DS. You should absolutely get a 3DS because it is it is about like used a hundred bucks, I guess, or even cheaper. I mean, I was looking at two DSs, uh, yeah. and those are like sixty bucks or something shit yeah that's true um i got a what is it one of those new 3ds's where it's like the updated version with the faster um processor or something um i got that for a hundred bucks and they are super easy to hack like just ridiculously easy so i hacked it and then just put a bunch of 3ds games on there and now i just have that i just have that for tour and it's and it's great it's awesome. awesome and you can um there's also like good emulators on there so it's like um they have the snes emulator so i would sometimes play like earthbound on tour or like uh chrono trigger a little bit i've been trying to get through Very that nice yeah i have a psp and apparently you know those are pretty easy to hack as well yeah i have a psp too i also hacked my psp too uh, they it's great because like the psp games are pretty pretty damn good like they're they're really good 3d games for considering how old the psp is and i've and i've been considering getting a vita because i guess those are those are good for hacking because you can also play like psp games on there too yeah i have a vita on you know i haven't messed with it really though just playing you know yeah yeah i haven't looked into the i haven't looked into the hacking scene for that but i think it's pretty easy i'm not sure but i can tell you the screen on vita is insane that's sick it's yeah, so good to look at <laughs> that's really nice 
Plus, it's got like the nicer processor, so maybe like emulators can run a little bit better now. Like, uh, I used to when I just had a PSP, I kept trying to play the uh, SNES emulator, and it sucked because it was so slow. And I was like so sad because I was like, I want to just play like Earthbound, but I can't. <laughs> and and now I have the 3DS, and I'm like, oh shit, hell yeah! Like this is always what I wanted to do is just play Earthbound on the go. <laughs> yeah, I only recently started appreciating Earthbound for oh, whatever reason. It was never really something that like was particularly interesting to me. But really? then I. Uh, started like finding out about kind of like the story and like the ending of it i saw the mm-hmm, ending of the mm-hmm. game i was like wow mm-hmm. this is super cerebral and cool oh yeah absolutely i i love that game for that it's so sick it's a uh, just the like the story is so abstract compared to like most of those rpgs of the time you know where it's like oh you're you're a soldier and you're going to fight something or you're like learning magic or something. Yeah, and it's you're like saving the no, planet, you know, yeah, bad guy, yeah. You know. Yeah. But it's like in this game, it's like, you're literally fighting the embodiment of evil and you're just some kid. And it's like, that's, that's so sick. I love that. And also the music in that game is phenomenal. Oh yeah. I love the music in that game. Dude, you should check was, out, um, Chrono Crosses if you haven't played it. Oh hell yeah. I will definitely check that it's out. Got an insane I've, I've played it. I've played it. I've gotten through a little bit of Chrono Trigger and I liked it. And I've heard Chrono Cross is good, so I'll definitely check that yeah, out. Yeah, Chrono Trigger is cool just because it's so, like, like I don't know. Uh, it's really solid, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really, like, it's really kind of safe. It's, like, a, just a very kind of straightforward and safe kind of game. It's almost like a Ghibli movie or something in that way, where it's just, like, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of straightforward but good because it, like, doesn't veer off in any ways. Whereas Chrono Cross like mm-hmm. goes completely off the rails and that's what makes it cool yeah i think that's super sick i mean soundtrack been, is also incredible that's hype i've been getting into or, or not getting into but i'm more particular towards like action rpgs than like um like waiting rpgs you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. i tried playing final fantasy 12 because my friend said that it would be like a good fit for me i guess hmm. and i hated it oh wow, my god really? i really did not like it ba- mainly because it's like it operates in 3d space right like you yeah. can move your character in any direction yeah but then when you press a button it brings up a menu and i'm like no i don't want to bring up a menu i press the button and swing the sword like i want to uh-huh. just i want it to be like kingdom hearts where it's like you just you just immediately attack or you have your your actions just at the ready and you just do them yeah but in this game it's like it's like a it's like a rts almost where it's yeah. like you're just setting up like a 3d character and i'm like i don't want to play an rts i want to play like i want to play an action game like yeah. i want to be able to like control the characters so i would i wouldn't be into that type of stuff but i would be into like skyrim or like oblivion or like that kind of oh, those dude, kind of games you gotta try it. my favorite action rpg which is a japanese developed game but it's a western style is okay. um, dragon's dogma dragon's dogma yeah it's incredible it's like got okay. the best like the combat is like so sick Hell yeah. uh, i mean it's not like super deep or complex combat but it's like way better than like skyrim combat or you know uh hell yeah uh yeah it's great 
That's fucking awesome. I've also been playing Nino Kuni two, Nino which is kind of like two. what you're talking about. It's like an action RPG, mm-hmm. um, like Kingdom Hearts, but like the combat's way more shallow, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to look for like Zelda clones because I feel Ooh. like you Alundra. <laughs> you're playing Alundra. Yeah, yeah. I've been trying to Hell play yes, Alundra. Like, I love that, but like. I remember playing Minish Cap a, a a while ago on my GBA, and I was like, "This game is fucking sick! This is awesome! This is, this has all the elements that I want." I press A, the swing, the sword swings. Yeah, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, I just want to find more games that brought me that kind of like excitement, where it's like, oh, like you're you're growing as a character in this game, but you're also like able to just kind of do everything just at once. It's just immediate you know there's one game sorry good there's this one game that i used to play on the ds called um oh god avalon code have you ever heard of that no it's it was fantastic it it was an action rpg where like the gimmick about it was that you scan um items in the world and people in the world and each of the items and people have their own attributes and you can just take those attributes and put them to your weapons and like instead of having a sword you can have a fiery sword or you could have like a bronze sword or a steel sword or something like that but you get the attributes from like scanning things and it was super sick it was super awesome i love that wow, that sounds interesting it's on ds yeah it's a ds game i i think i might go replay that honestly now that i think about it because that game was freaking awesome it was, a little, it was pretty short, but it was a great game. Are you into, like, the Souls games at all? Uh, What do you mean by... Like, oh, Dark Souls? Souls? Game? Dark oh, Souls? no. I, I played I played a, a little bit of Dark Souls, but it was just really slow, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. Just, like, the movement. So I was just, like... I just kind of got talked out of it, I guess. Or I talked myself out of it because I was just like, you know what? Like, it's not, like fluid you know what i mean yeah it's a particular like mood and like taste and um, right exactly it can can get definitely like faster and like once you're like into the flow it's like you know very sick feeling uh but uh yeah it's definitely a time and a place for that game yeah 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 it's it's a cool it's a cool game. I get why people are. Um, it's more than like the gameplay. It's like it. the atmosphere and you know all that. And if you're like, if you're just yeah. playing it for the gameplay, it's like, uh, you know, this is cool, but it might not yeah. be it. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I'm I'm also trying to get into Breath of the Wild again. Oh because, yeah, amazing. Because game. I yeah yeah I've heard so many good things about it but I've only gotten like so far into it I've barely even scratched the surface it's just fun to play yeah oh yeah and that's uh, like that's an example of a game where it's like the movement's fluid like everything that you can do in the game is so fluid and you can kind of go anywhere and do whatever you want and it's like it's 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 excellent it reminds me of when I played Skyrim for the first time because I thought those same exact things where I'm just like oh my god like I'm blown away by just like all the things you can do and how easy it is to do them super sick yeah speaking of skyrim i don't want to take up all your time but uh, oh no worries uh, speaking of skyrim i got an original xbox for christmas oh hell yeah morrowind oh shit i've never played it before and i was really interested in playing it and boy it's very dated 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I I felt the same exact way when I tried to play Morrowind. I, I don't even think I got through like more than an hour with it because I was just like, oh my god, like it's Feels it's terrible. old. It's old, you know? But you know, at the time it was probably super sick, but man, like they 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 just lacked so much in that game because of like what a transitional like period they were going through, I guess. Because like all the text in the game was just like paragraphs long and it's like yeah. you had to read all of it to actually understand where to go in the game and it's like now it's like oh here's a map you know yeah. it, that makes much more intuitive sense than like oh like turn left at the third like stick in the middle of the road it's like i i, I don't yeah. want to like i don't care about i don't care about role playing despite being like a big rpg fan i don't really care right. about role playing it's more about like the stats and like getting new I, equipment yeah. and I completely agree. I just think it's like like when there's too much of that immersion, then I'm just kind of thinking like, okay, well, I could be playing like D&D or something. I could be playing something where I could just like be keeping track of all of that myself. Yeah, a lot of times I'm not playing a game for the story, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know? And and I liked how in Oblivion it kind of struck that balance of like, okay, like the story is sick. The story is very good. And then on top of that, there's a bit more um, accessibility to it to where like you can actually understand where to go and what to do. But sometimes there's a bit of a puzzle to it and you'll have to try and figure it out yourself. And then when you do figure it out, it's, it's much more rewarding than having to decipher this stupid code that some random guy in a bar tells you. And it's like, uh, I don't want to have to go and seek out this random guy in a bar for, for hours in this, a huge game to try and find out what to do next i I just feel like that's just a waste of my time (laughs) yeah it truly is man Mm -hmm. um well we've been talking for nearly an hour and a half and i really appreciate you um coming on and doing this with me yeah i appreciate you too this was this was fantastic i had a great time Hey again, I'm back for a minute. Uh, congratulations on making it all the way to the end of the episode. I just wanted to say that I had to edit out a couple parts, a couple minutes of Alex and I talking about a few subjects, such as um, getting laid off of his job to go on tour and talking about his job and also talking about Philly and the Philly DIY scene and whatnot. If you're interested in hearing that stuff, head over to patreon.com slash blush Cameron. If I get one more patron after this episode, I'll go ahead and post it. So, um, or maybe I'll post it anyways. Yeah, uh, please check it out. And thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with Avery from Retirement Party. See you then.